0: I'm never bored. I can be easily bored. Um, and so I
1: need to Are be... Are you t- bored now?
0: No, what? no, I'm
1: not. <laughs> it's totally good. It's totally good. <laughs>
0: she, she nods off what over What a relief. The
1: because there's no money in this. There's no money in content. There really isn't.
0: <laughs> no, but, you know, it, uh, I think I'm very lucky to be doing a, a job where I'm constantly... Having to to think and learn something new and, and, and understand something else or understand another point of view, with different productions and different uh, casts and things, um, and so it keeps me interested. And I think as soon as you stop being interested in a job, then I think you've got to stop doing that job and find something else, quite frankly. Okay. Um, Okay. thank you very much. No, it's (laughs) absolutely true. We are in the foyer of the London Coliseum, uh, which is the home of English National Opera. And I'm here uh, because I've been contracted to sing the title role of Verdi's Louisa Miller. And we open on the 12th of February, so it's next week, coming up very soon. Um yes, I can't remember what else did you Your name. My name. Oh yes, and my name is Elizabeth Llewellyn. You right, see right. there's some yeah, bits of information. Any more than two
1: yeah, exactly. This episode of the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast features soprano Elizabeth Llewellyn, who plays the title role in Verdi's opera Louisa Miller, in the ENO production of the work that runs from the twelfth of february twenty twenty. When I finished the recording of this interview at English National Opera, I walked away from the Coliseum in London thinking that our conversation hadn't really covered all the points it needed to. I was disappointed. More than that, actually, I was on edge because the thing is that like it or not, admit it or not, we all of us compare ourselves to others. The classical music world is a small place. The opera world, I imagine, is a little bit bigger, but not that much bigger. And everyone wants to leave their mark. We're all sharing the space amongst performers and audience. And if it's not very big, then there's not very much elbow room. And that means all of us, performers, journalists, PRs, everyone involved in the process, we're all, whether we like it or not, comparing ourselves with one another. Everything then has to be the very best it can be all of the time. We we have to be. All this is important because when I sat down to listen to what Elizabeth had said in our conversation before publishing it today, I realised that she worked from an entirely different perspective. Cue a helpful analogy. An opera cast can't all be made up of the same voices, otherwise there wouldn't be an opera. In other words, comparing yourself is a waste of time. That perspective is rooted in the story of Elizabeth's career. It's a story that she doesn't necessarily want to tell much more of than she has already the focus should of course be on her as a performer but it is that previous experience which i think reveals itself as the enviable work ethic she brings to eno the two things aren't separate you'll discover what i mean around 20 minutes into the episode this reminds me of a similar conversation with another podcast interviewee earlier the same day a conversation that touched on fear some artists have about Whether striving to be relatable to the audience risks damaging the aura that surrounds performance and performers. Personally, I don't think it does, so long as being relatable is done in an authentic way. There's warmth and energy to Elizabeth's voice. There's inspiration too. She speaks with clarity and passion. She has a growth mindset. She exudes determination and she sees opportunity to develop others when she identifies mediocrity. And that's something to be around, even for 35 minutes, because if that's what she gives in conversation, what does she give on stage? If you're looking for the synopsis of Verdi's Louisa Miller, you will have to wait until the end. Elizabeth makes a valiant attempt to condense a lot of detail into two and a half minutes. Spoiler, there's quite a lot of death at the end. Can you just tell me three surprising things about you, please?
0: Uh, Surprising things about me... Um, oh, gosh, that's really hard. Is not it? Oh, it really is really hard. Um, uh, oh, I like I like doing... This sounds a bit dodgy, so I'll preface it. it sounds, bed boogies. Have you ever done that? I'm unaware
1: of bed boogies. Okay,
0: in bed, you don't want to get up and use your legs, but something's come on the radio that you want to dance to, and so you just dance on your back, in bed.
1: I've got to tell you, you are the only one who does that. Okay, that's no, that's two. fine. My number brother will say the
0: same. Number two, I almost got to be on stage with Prince when he had his... <sighs> his residency (laughs) at the O2 check me out how cool am I bed boogie whatever
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay and then he changed
0: his set I was literally this far away from you know I'd gotten well my friends had gotten VIP tickets and we were uh, someone in his entourage had sort of said oh would you like to get on stage with Prince I was like (gasps) it's it's the Pope Catholic and then he changed his set right at the last minute. And so oh, it, oh, I was oh, gutted. Oh, oh, that's so there a was a part tale. of me that, that just thought, you know tale. what? I'm just going to storm the stage anyway. Okay. But I okay. might have been. So that's number yeah. two. Number so three. that's number two. Number three surprising things about me. Um, I actually am incredibly lazy. Uh, when yeah, I'm. I it's almost it's a it's an <laughs> so art form. <laughs> no, oh, truly, when I'm at when I'm at home, or when I don't have to be doing the job as it were, I I could sleep for Britain and make it a sort of is Olympic not, sport as and, I've said to and another, just really.
1: As I said to another artist today, is that not just relaxing?
0: Well, I I would happily stay in bed. For as long as humanly possible, and I wouldn't feel bad about it at all. And you're very
1: honest. Have you you been in rehearsals today?
0: Yes, we had our piano dress today. Um, Yesterday, uh, we had our first two stage and orchestra rehearsals, um, and so there was a lot of technical trying to sort of knit together all of the elements with the orchestra. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, so yesterday was a very tiring day. And today... Is that because was... there's a
1: lot of standing around?
0: No, uh, quite the opposite, because there's a lot of technical things that physically we all have to do, but also vocally, uh, working with the orchestra and making sure that the balance is right, that we have the cues, that we understand uh, each other and the cues from the pit and, and things like that. There's offstage... Uh, off-stage chorus, um, off-stage organ, and all sorts of things that need to be, yeah, coordinated. So, <laughs> I tweeted yesterday: "May the gods of coordination be with me," because I thought this is going to be hard work. And were they? I think
1: they g- were. I think the they were. No yes, there was exactly.
0: There weren't any boos from the production team at <laughs> but, the end. I, mean, so that 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 I really didn't off, get my P forty five either. So
1: we're okay. all good. We're okay. all good. So you're setting the bar. Quite low. <laughs> Um, I'm going to ask you about the opera, which I've listened to bits of later. Okay. But we're going to go on a tour, I think. Yes. Obviously, the EO handler is going to remain quiet. So okay. We, we just need to refer to her in the gesticulating wildly. <laughs> Please. <lead laughs> yes, on. exactly. You see, it uh, has been a good day then.
0: It has been a good day. It's it's this week is a tiring week, um, because. Uh, all of our main stage rehearsals with the chorus, uh, with uh, the extras. Uh, We have four, and the dancers, we have four children. um, And uh, we have a team of four dancers and a choreographer. And so all of the elements are being brought together together this week and everything is being set in stone there sometimes cost there are costume decisions to be made uh, depending on how we move and how we use the space um so there've been a few costume tweaks and changes changes to my wig changes to my makeup so it's been really busy
1: is and that so, normal? For an oh update? yes, totally it, normal. Totally right.
0: normal, because you can't the really kind of
1: last-minute decision making that I really well, can't stand. Yeah,
0: and yeah, me neither. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but there's a lot that can't be decided upon until we're in the space, and there's a lot that uh, isn't obvious or isn't clear that yes, that was a good decision, or no, we need to change this until the production team are in the auditorium looking at the stage, which is a big stage. And it's such a difference from being in a very large studio with the production team literally two or three feet away from us. So there are certain things that they can decide in the studio, but particularly on a a, a stage of this size and a set of this size that's quite open... um, there are lots of sort of uh, visual, lots of pictures and scenes that they can't absolutely nail down until they can see it, um, and it may be even just the mix of colours in in the costumes. Uh, we've got a we've got the chorus, the ENO chorus, and the extra chorus as well. So it's a big chorus, um, and you know, sort of six of us principals and and. You know, how it looks and how we interact with one another, and the shapes that we make, and the the, the pictures that we make, and the stories we tell visually is really
1: important. See, I like behind the scenes stuff, but actually, when the more detail you provide me, the more scared I am, actually. Yeah. So Do I'm not going to ask you anymore about it. Our backstage crew
0: are absolutely amazing because they've got a lot of scenery to move. A lot of cues to give us to when to come on stage. There's paint. There's, paint. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying oh, any more. Oh, but there is paint. Oh. Um, there are dancers. Uh, you know, so it's 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 busy, hmm. and they um, uh, yeah, the backstage crew are. Fabulous in sort of coordinating all of that in with very good humour. They work very long hours, so you, they're before we are and they're there well after we leave, so...
1: You, you clearly love this. You clearly love being here. I mean, I don't know yeah. you at all, this is the first time that we've met, <laughs> but I get the impression that you get a real buzz from this. Well,
0: I, I have a lot of love for the people that work here. Um, it's where I made my operatic debut on that stage and a, a lot of, particularly the backstage crew, the music uh, team and the admin team, a, a, a lot of people I, I know from then right. um, and you know, I I really do believe they are the best in the business and they work so hard and they do it with a smile on their face and if they can help you you know, as a, as a soloist when you've got 101 things to think of, then they they will help and they, you know, it, it really is a team effort. And so, so you've
1: that doesn't... the backstage crew, you've got the backstage crew yeah. on, on the side. <laughs> Shout out to the, the backstage really crew, exactly. Okay. Yeah, where are we go- Are we going? Are we heading somewhere? And do you have somewhere in mind?
0: Uh, well, we're in, we're in one of the bars. This is okay. probably where we'll have the first night uh, party, or okay. it will be spilling out sort of here. Um, Tell me how you got into this into opera. Into opera. Um, I think I've heard a story. You probably have, so I'm going to keep it really brief. Okay. Um,
1: well, I'm not saying that it should be brief.
0: No, you know. no, it's, it's not that I'm bored of the story, but I, I've, tell, I've told it a lot. Um, it, yeah, I got into opera really uh, uh, from school. Uh, we had a lot of music at school. I played the violin, played the piano, and round about the age of 16 I started singing, Uh, I got given singing lessons by a head teacher and, uh, or she paid for singing lessons and I had singing lessons for about a year and a half and during that time I decided I wanted to go to music college and my singing teacher had said, well you know, you should go to the Northern in the 90s. It was the place to, for opera singers and people like Christine Rice and Ashley Holland and Sarah Fulgoni and all of
1: that. So they you were. you went all, to the Royal Northern yeah. around about the same time that I went to university? Yeah. In the, in the 90s, in yeah. the early 90s? Uh, yes, 91 yeah, yeah. to 94. Yes, 91 <gasps> to 95. So we're basically the same age? Yes, we you are. You are looking really good on it. <laughs> I've got to say, you're looking really, really Thank good Christ on it. <laughs> for makeup. Exactly. <laughs> I don't believe that for a moment. I don't
0: believe it. Uh, no, I, it's, you know, I'm very lucky, actually. I don't, I don't look my age, and so it means that I can still play someone's daughter. Right. Um, and, uh, you, you know. Didn't,
1: you didn't go into opera initially? Uh,
0: am, I, am I right in thinking? Well, I studied, I studied at music college and then I had to stop because I was ill. This is the boring bit that I right. don't know how to tell all, okay. over and over and again. But basically I stopped singing for about ten years and then came back to it almost by accident. And, and that was round about the time I became a you know, young artist here. Oh. It's just after being in Glyndebourne Chorus and Opera Studio and doing opera
1: works and things like that. You moved from the chorus to playing a lead role?
0: Pretty much, right. pretty much. So I was in the Glyndebourne Chorus in 2009. Uh, I got offered that sort of uh, January of 2009, started April 2009. Two weeks later, was notified that I got uh, offered a place in at the National Opera Studio yep. and th- to start that September... So I didn't go on and do the tour, which is usually what you do at Glyndebourne. You do the festival and you do the tour in the autumn. So I didn't do the tour, went to the opera studio, and by that December, I was offered Mimi for the following year here. Wow. Yeah. So it happened really quickly, um, and it's kind of continued to happen very quickly. What was the
1: experience like of it happening really quickly? Do you recall what the, what the emotion was, what the... What the uh... Was it like this is quite normal, or I can't really imagine. I can't well, really believe that it's happened to me. Well, or
0: if, if you, if it's never, I don't know. I mean, some people will feel when big things like ha- that happen to them, they'll sort of think exactly what right, you've just yes. said. Oh, I can't believe it's happened to it me. Sounds blah, like blah. a transition. Yeah, but for me, it was right. Okay, you've got the opportunity. Right, just get on with it. Just get on with it. That's what you've got. You know, and I was in my 30s, and so you, you probably know from competitions and bursaries, and you know, singers generally are like in their 20s. Yes. Um, and uh, the age cut off limit generally is about 33. Well, you're talking to someone who was 36, 37 at the time. So I knew that this was my opportunity. And so I, I just had to be very clear minded about it and just get on with it. Um,
1: Do you remember telling yourself that or was that something that just came naturally?
0: No, I think it's just something that came naturally because you, 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 you know what the parameters are. You know that you're not going to be able to enter that competition or get that bursary or what have you. And also as someone who had been working you know in in offices and for companies and you know as a manager here and this you, you understand that ac- the, the the value of money and the fact that people do not shower you with money willy-nilly so if someone is is giving you an opportunity to study at the National Opera Studio or to be a young artist or what have you those are the sorts of things you've got to grab with both hands because it, if you had to pay for them, uh, as I did after I'd left the studio and left the Young Artist Program, it's expensive, oh. and that comes out of your fee. That comes, you know, that, that sort of money for singing lessons and coachings and flying here, there, and everywhere for auditions and you know consultations and stuff. That all costs money, and it comes out of your pay packet.
1: And you worked in the corporate world. Uh, You're yes. You're a manager in the corporate world. You uh, managed people.
0: Yes, I did. Yeah, wow. yeah. What um, do you think
1: uh, people saw? Um, that sounds slightly rude. Question. Not really go on. I uh, what I meant. That's not really what I meant. What do you think when when afterwards. when you were a manager? What do you think people saw? What do you think people responded to? Because I know what I'm responding to now. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just okay. Trying to get your perspective.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting because at the time that I stopped singing, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what else I could do. I had no idea because I'd worked my entire sort of adult life towards a specific goal, you know, very niche goal, if you like, of singing. Um, And I was very lucky to... My first job was uh, working in IT and telecoms at a time when e-business was... Uh, new, uh-huh. no one. You know, it was it was a new concept, and and people were trying to get into the industry, and were abandoning very good jobs in a huge variety of of fields. In order to get into this it industry. industry, it yeah, was very much industry. a growth yeah. industry and very exciting mm-hmm. to be part of, actually, okay. right. uh, because, you know, you never quite knew where it was going. Right. You knew that everyone wanted to be in it, but no-one really quite knew it was going. A bit like Brexit, really. Um- <laughs>
1: You've nailed so many points. You've nailed so many points. Uh, no-one knew where what it was you, going. But when you were um, a manager in, in that world, what do yes, you think people responded I think, to? I yeah.
0: think... Uh, a, possibly a kind of work ethic of, of buckle down, you know, understand what your role is, and then just do that really well. Um, a clarity, I guess, of of vision, um, and just a, a determination to not be uh, mediocre, I guess. And so, people. In, uh, if I had people in my team that were mediocre, it was my job to sort them out so that we were
1: all sort of moving in in the right direction. I'm going to make an assumption <clears> that, <throat> that when you quote sorted them out, that meant <laughs> that meant That's developing quite them. That That meant developing them, fishes. not actually get rid of them. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. No, they're them not swimming out. with the fishes. No, okay, um, yeah, no, it, no. It's just so. For example, I used to work in travel, and someone in my Uh, team who is a very talented uh, chap. We used to write, we used to do special interest uh, tours, quite niche uh, for long-haul English-speaking markets coming to the UK and then over to Europe. And he was very, very good at his job, Uh, but often uh, these groups would sort of come to London and or Paris and then go on to wherever, do their tour of, I don't know... Pilgrimages in Spain between 1750 and
1: oh, 1821. All the
0: <laughs> it's just crazy, but that's what we did. At Special right. interest tours, um, and he was just. I, I remember him now. He's just. He was really charismatic and very good at his job, but it transpired in a kind of one to one that he had never been to Paris, and I was like, well, that's one of the starting points. You know, how can you sell that really if if you don't know? And so. Uh, we took four days and we did Paris. And wow. so that he could understand and see, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the the Palace at Versailles, all of, you know, the Louvre, all of, all of those things that are actually iconic and really important. Um, you know, I just thought, look, we have to carve out that time. You have to understand what Paris is because, you know, it might spark something in his imagination that... You know that would be a good idea as a as and
1: directly a, after that trip, he left the company and went. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: he he ended up being really successful in the company actually, right, um, and okay. went well, on to that's good then. yeah, that's exactly. Good you know, work. which is yeah, and you know, as I say, he's an incredibly intelligent, charismatic guy, and sometimes you you just need to give your team the tools to to work not just well but be exceptional, um, and so yeah, that was something that. Uh, I think as a good manager, you need to be able to identify and sort out.
1: I like that. So, I like that yeah. a lot. I feel as though we ought to move on to the okay, I'm concerned. I'm, no, I'm it's concerned a shame about the it.
0: bar's closed, <laughs> What it? are
1: you saying? <laughs> Have you not got another rehearsal this evening? No. Oh, God. then that's fine. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank
0: Christ. No, I haven't. So, um, no, it's all good. Uh, what is it
1: like to be here?
0: What is it like to be here? Um, it's, it, uh, the other day, I was just sort of walking up from. Uh, uh, from the Strand, no, from uh, Leicester Squares, You see the sort of the bauble on the top of, yes, of the Colosseum, yes, yes. and I remember back in you know twenty twenty, you know, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Uh, you know, walking up from the same direction, thinking, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be working there one day? And it just, you know, you get one of those moments, don't you? As I was sort of walking up from Leicester Square, and I saw the bauble again. I remembered how it felt the thought of oh wouldn't it be great to be working there and to be so now now well it's just remembering how far well just I guess remembering how far I've come right. actually you know now I'm singing a title role here um, and so hi sorry to interrupt <laughs> um, and so it's it's so that's that's lovely it's a lovely feeling you, you feel as if I feel as if I've I've come a long way since then, since 2009, um, and so much has happened in my career and in my life over that time. It's just it's just a moment, you know, to sort of uh, just take on board that uh, what I bring to my work now here, 10 years later. I mean, I've not sung here for about eight years. Um, so you know to sort of be back eight years later.
1: Oh, this is the first time that you've sung here in eight years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what is that? Um, what's that experience like? Is that sort of like oh I've come home or?
0: Oh. Um. It, it doesn't really quite feel like sort of coming home. It's lovely to be working with people that I've like I said earlier that I haven't worked with for a long long time and I love and respect. Um. It it it. it just feels like it's a bit like going back to your old school or your old college um there's a feeling of okay I'm walking through these doors again but I'm a different person okay that's what I was thinking uh, you know <laughs> and and so and so there's a that's a, it's, it's it's quite a nice moment to just sort of uh, weigh up how that feels um, oh it's like, a, it's like a
1: moment of tra- uh, a, a moment of reflection I it guess it provides yes. a moment of reflection yes it does right. yes okay.
0: exactly that yeah um, and so it, it's, it's and that's good and I think the artist that I am now and the repertoire that I'm singing now uh, someone reminded me yesterday uh, I didn't sound like that eight years ago um, i do i wasn 't singing this rep eight years ago, and so um it's, uh, it 's i I guess I come back much more confident in myself and you know at the time I was very much at the beginning of my career this it feels a bit more grounded because i I know and understand how my voice works and what I sound best in and and uh how i Uh, Behave on the stage, and um, you know what I what I bring to my role that is different from everyone else in the cast, and so all of those sort of insecurities sometimes that you you're assailed with at the beginning of your career. Oh, that person's got a better voice. That person's got a bigger voice. That person's got more experience. They're they're less now because you think, well, actually, my role. And the way I play it and uh, the the way it's written is different from Walter's role or Rodolfo or Federica. You know, I'm here for specific reason. I can do things that they can't do and vice versa. What a lovely and, thing to be able to get really from work.
1: What a, what a wonderful sort of insight to get from yeah. your work. Yeah, I, think I don't get that from my
0: it's work, really, really, I think it's really important because, you know, sometimes you can... You, you just, waste a lot of energy comparing yourself to people when actually it's not we're not like for like you know we couldn't tell the story if we were all the same it it just wouldn't work and so you know not everybody can be a dramatic voice not everybody has the sort of Crazy high coloratura. Not everyone has, you know, deep sonorous notes, and it. it's got to be a mixture. Otherwise, the the storytelling through the music
1: just does not work. You are a remarkably positive person. I really oh, like that. Uh, can we go in the auditorium? <laughs> We've got five minutes before audition starts. Yes, <laughs> can can we? Then we must go in the auditorium. Running, running commentary
0: <laughs> through someone's audition. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're not <laughs> so positive now, just are you? Hate you. <laughs> they would just hate you. <laughs>
1: Can you yeah, can you give us a, a, a massive wave or we'll jump up and down when we need to? Sure. You clearly never going to speak. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> um, whilst we're here, yeah, I need a synopsis of the opera. <clears throat> okay. Given that you're playing the title role, you but should. Given know. that I
0: should know, I should know. Right, here we go. Um, Louisa is a. Quite a religious young lady, but she's quite inexperienced. She's, you know, and and she's, uh, I wouldn't say quite naive, but she's quite sheltered by her father, single parent. um, They're working class. She falls in love with uh, someone who she believes is also working class and the best of all men. Um, uh, They very quickly discover that actually he's the son of the local count, Walter, and his name is not Carlo, it's Rodolfo. Um, And so the whole relationship is over before it's begun because of the class difference between them, uh, between these two families. Uh, Both fathers have um, issues with their children. uh, And uh, in this production, it's played out in a particular way. um, But... uh, Uh, The reason uh, Rodolfo's father has a real problem is that he wants his son to make a a marriage of convenience in order to uh, 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 lay his hands on sort of more power by marrying the mezzo, Federica. Um, Federica is in love with Rodolfo. He doesn't return her affections. Um, uh, And it all comes to a head where Walter... Helped by his right-hand man Vorn, um, uh, hatches a plan to split up Luisa and Rodolfo, so that Rodolfo will make this this marriage. Um, and Vorn, because he's in love with with Luisa, says, "Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll force her to write. You know, a- arrest her father, and force her, therefore, put her under pressure to write a letter to say." She never loved Rodolfo. She's in love with Worm. We can present this to the princess and it will all end up beautifully. That's what they do. Uh, uh, but uh, long story short, Rodolfo doesn't marry uh, the princess. He's wracked with uh, with jealousy, mm-hmm. um, having read this letter from Worm. And um, he decides uh, to catch up with Louisa. Before she manages to free her father and, and uh, disappear, um, and he poisons her, and then asks her, "Did you write this letter for Warren?" He's a lovely chap, isn't he? Um, and, so, yeah, and so, yeah, um, uh, and so, he is also poisoned himself. So they basically both die. Oh my God. Um, Sorry for any spoilers, sorry if anyone's listening to this. Um, They basically both die and both fathers are then left alive. It's a bit like Romeo and Juliet, but worse. Um, Both fathers are left alive seeing that they've basically destroyed their children through their own uh, views of, of the world and what's most important.
1: What do you love about it?
0: The music... It's a, it, the music is extraordinary it starts off sounding like a donizetti yes, opera yes completely yes uh you know my first aria and the duet and you think hey we're in donizetti land yeah. and then as things begin you know begin to go wrong it begins to become more recognizably verdi the verdi that we know in traviata and rigoletto and um otello and so it's quite exciting to almost to sort of see that uh, almost stylistic Transition uh, was that a stylistic
1: things, decision on his part, do you know?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, where Louisa Miller stands in his sort of output is at that middle point. Right. Uh, so after that point, uh, he he writes all of those operas and he revises Macbeth and he revises Don Carlo a few times and things. And, uh, you know, so it is really at that point. It's sort of after he massaned um It's after. Uh, is it? I think it's after Simon Boccanegra. Around about the sort of same sort of time. But it really is that middle. A kind of. If you were going to draw a line in his output. Louisa Miller would be on that line. So it is really, it's quite interesting. People that know more Verdi operas than I do are saying, oh, that sounds like, Well, oh, that That, that, that like...
1: is what surprised me when I yes. first listened to it. Yeah. Uh, Donizetti, or even Rossini. Yes. Uh, and it almost seemed quite light. I obviously yes. hadn't got to the second act. Had <laughs> <laughs> I if bothered that, to get to the second act, other. then I, I would have heard a bit of a change, obviously. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast available on Spotify and Audio Boom. To get in touch, please tweet at Thoroughly Good. You can also follow Thoroughly Good on Facebook and read the blog at thoroughlygood.me.